Welcome all. You are listening to the MLTI podcast, Teaching with Tech. We are your hosts, the MLTI ambassador team at the Maine Department of Education. We are here to support Maine educators by building a network focused on authentic voices, experiences, and technology integration. Hello, and welcome back to the MLTI podcast, Teaching with Tech. My name is Joshua Schmidt, and I will be your host for today. This episode continues our conversation of innovative ways that educational technology is being used in the arts. And as a reminder from last week, when we talk about the arts, we are encompassing everything from music and visual art to dance, theater, and media arts. Last week focused specifically on music, and this week we wanted to expand our scope a little bit. We will be hearing about computer science in a music tech class with Tessa MacArthur, who teaches at Woodland Junior Senior High School in Baileyville. But then we will move to theater with Mihaly Lozano, former ELA teacher and drama coach at Princeton Elementary School. We will close today's episode with Matthew Peinado, who teaches art at Edward Little High School. And you might have noticed that this episode has a slightly different format. We are very excited to focus on voices from the field for an entire episode, but this is a little new for us. So we would love to hear your opinion on this format, and if you think it's something we should try to do a little more of in the future as well. Also, as a reminder, we will be returning to this topic of ed tech in the arts later on in season two. If you wanted to share your opinion of this new episode format, give us ideas for new voices to feature in a future episode, or are just curious how the team can support you and your school, please contact the MLTI and Learning Through Technology teams at the Maine Department of Education by emailing us at doe-ltt at maine.gov. But let's dive right in to our first interview done by the team's very own Donna Netzer. Welcome, everybody, to our first interview. I am here with Donna Netzer, who had the opportunity to do two interviews in today's episode, but we are going to start with one, and I will let Donna introduce the interview today. So I had a chance to talk with Tessa MacArthur. She works at Woodland Junior Senior High School in Baileyville, and she teaches a STEAM music tech class. This is a class that she came up with as an alternative to a fine arts credit. And I was just blown away with what she has going on and the ideas that she has and that it's just her first year coming up with these ideas. The only option from like a, for credit for fine arts is either art, band, or court. It doesn't give you another option. Right. So I had opened or started this class and part of that was comes from a conversation with um, one of our other teachers that was wondering why music programs around the state aren't doing more with this because mm-hmm. they're banned, but especially since COVID, those numbers have dropped right. a lot. Um, so um, if you look at the music industry as well, a lot of it's going digital. So I was really impressed with Tessa's mindset of things are changing, what's important in music, where is the music industry going? She actually talked to me a lot about like their future skills as musicians. So she took the Lego spikes that we got that they got as a mobile lab option 
And she was able to pull those out and her junior high students, I believe it was, actually choreographed those to different songs. But they have to know about the tempo and they have to make the their monsters move. And then they made a video of that together, which just kind of blew us all away. So the first thing they have to do is figure out the form. They have to listen to the song and then figure out where the verses are and choreograph. And one thing I was explaining to them is when you do pull them into this, um, we're quoting them as, okay, all these verses are going to have the same movement to show that this is the same movement. Right. Um, so you have to make sure that your timing matches up. Because sometimes what you hear sounds a little different. So if you have like a chorus that you have 12 seconds and then you hear it, it's only like 11, there's one other part. It's probably the same, it just sounds a little different. Mm -hmm. So they need to make sure that timing matches up, otherwise it won't stay in sync with the um, coding. So if they go from A to B, um, and then back to A, you know, it's going to be the same each time. Right. So um, to make sure their timing stays matched up, they need to make sure um, that what they've written kind of matches. I just love how Tessa describes like students and creativity, the idea that they're worried that it needs to be perfect, but creativity doesn't demand perfection, helping the kids step outside their comfort zone in a safe way. And I really loved how she mentions that she wants to teach them how to make mistakes because it's not that you won't make them and that's not her aim, but it's how to handle those mistakes and what do you do with it. I looked it up. I don't look up, hey, what does this do? Or, you know, this is what I want to do. How do I make it do that? Mm -hmm. Use that resource. So I have some students who, um, it'll, they're almost over-worried. Things have to be perfect. And I'm like, that's not how creativity works. <laughs> like, right. It's up to you. And they're like, well, is this right? I don't know. Do you want this to be right? Like, you know, and it's trying to push some of them a little bit out of their comfort zone, but to realize, you create what you like, not what somebody else likes. Because if we all like, I told them all this, I'm like, if we all like the same thing, that'd be boring. This is why you get choices on songs, which is why, right. you know, we don't like the same things. And that's okay, and that's good. There are things that I'm going to like that you don't, and that's okay, because there are things that you like that I know. And which some of them seem shocked by this. Not everyone listens to the same thing, but, um, but then teaching them. Now you can make something up, and that's you. Um, it's the same thing they do in art. Tessa talking about how she gets her content reminds me of one of my favorite lines in teaching, which is that the best teachers are the best thieves. That if you find a great project from another teacher and you find a way to incorporate that into your own classroom, that is not diminishing the teaching of either teacher. That makes you both stronger. We're all in this together. And so I think about how Tessa's classroom is being drastically improved because of her ability to find high quality content from a variety of resources and figure out ways to make it fit within her content. So as we were talking, she was showing me some other great ideas. She's got some other um, things in works, but also some ideas kind of popped up as we went and she kind of wrote them down. I was like, oh, I might do that too. And I might do that too. And so it was just exciting to see the enthusiasm around all of that and her willingness to share, but also, you know, glean from other people and just say, I just want this to be a good program. Some of it is, okay, I was exploring, hey, I want to do this, you know, what did some other people come up with? 
And some of them will say like, oh, in iMovie, well, the kids don't have access to that. That's a map product. Mm -hmm. So then I would start researching, what else can I use that's similar? <laughs> I was able to get the school to purchase Soundcraft this year. Oh, nice. So they can bring in loops and test them. And then we talked about how there's a really fine line between relaxing music and sad music. We now have these resources that nobody was using because they didn't know they were there. Right. And then, but the world is changing too. There's so much, like, even creating music and, and songs and popular music. And even back during techno, it was electronic. Mm -hmm. And some of these kids, they're not comfortable playing, but that doesn't mean they don't want to express themselves either through writing and turning right. that into a song. And maybe I can't write music, but I know what I'm hearing in my head, so I can look to these loops and kind of create them. And that, and then eventually they can grow. There's still a significant need for actual players who can read that music because that's how it gets created right. in the first place. Right. So I'm hoping to eventually do some green screen type stuff. Yeah. And I've talked about even maybe working it into some of the other classes. Like with my junior high, I know they do different units. Like they have a main unit for the year. They have other units where they have to do presentations. Mm -hmm. So instead of standing up and doing a presentation, I thought about trying to talk to them sometime and they're like, okay. So they can record themselves in front of a green screen right. doing this presentation. And they can actually add, they're not really going to go to like colonial Maine. They can't do that. But they can put it in the back. Right. I think that's an awesome idea. And then they can add music. So one of Tessa's major goals is that she wants to collaborate with other teachers, get this into other content areas. So we talked a lot about her not being an island of doing this kind of work, but how can she pull from other contexts? We even talked about it first, mentioning to the kids and saying, what project do you have going on that maybe you could show off your tech skills in that content area, but we can use the time here to work together and, and learn those pieces and, and implement an application um, that you learned. And she was very open to that and very excited. And that's a goal um, as I continue working with that school that we can implement this even further. And when the kids get comfortable creating things, they can then take that to other classes. The problem I've discovered is in any class, they don't want to try, they don't want to be wrong. Right. But if I could teach them to try and, oh, that didn't work, oh, no big deal. But that's why I'm hoping that classes like this, which kids learn, to be wrong and that's okay mm -hmm. and I'll do stuff because I'm like oh here so I I have a serial I set up for me okay this is I looked it up once about raw motor I didn't know what it meant so I looked it up there was a little link actually to the Sphero app on there like little program I checked that out figured out the different things and then I showed them I don't remember that from day to day sometimes and I'm like hold on let me look again and like you know, and teaching them to find people that information up. It right. takes several times of doing it before we remember it. And then, okay, we'll try this. Nope, that didn't work, so let's try this. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. and sometimes as a teacher, it's hard to model that because I can't do it in class because then I'm behind and I can't help them. But so they don't see the stuff I go through, mm -hmm. they just assume they know it. I just really wanted to thank Tessa and Donna for having a fantastic interview. 
loved seeing the perspective of how Tessa is incorporating these educational technology skills into her curriculum, but also how willing she is to collaborate and connect with other teachers and other content areas. And I just imagine it makes the entire educational experience even better for her kids. And I really just want to thank Tessa for opening her doors to me. I got to actually sit in on one of her classes in between interviews with her and see things in motion. And just, I really just had a great energy leaving that building, knowing that there are good things in the works and that we have a great partnership that we can continue this work. Um, and I look forward to uh, supporting this program. And what interview do we have coming up next, Donna? The next interview we have is Mahaley Lozano. She worked for Princeton Elementary right after COVID, the year that, you know, 21, where we could have been hybrid, could have come back into the classroom, we didn't know. Um, and so a really cool take on drama that year was what we focused on in that interview. So today I am talking with Mahaley Lozano. She worked at Princeton Elementary School with me a few years back, and it was the year after COVID and we all left where we didn't know if we'd be hybrid or we'd come back. And so she had this brilliant idea to do a drama production. She was the drama coach, but to do it as a movie. And it just is such a wonderful use of technology. And I really think it has some insight as to how smaller schools that don't have as much time or students or whatnot could actually do drama, but in a different light. So the first question is, what was unique about the experience other than, um, you know, than other live productions and whatnot? Well, what was unique is that, well, there's probably a few things, but one thing was that I didn't necessarily have to make sure that everybody was perfect every time because I was able to re-record things or, you know, have several takes. It was a little it, it was a less stressful in the sense of like, I didn't have to make sure that every single person was ready to do it perfectly on a certain day, which was nice. What kind of technologies did you use to do this? Mm. So we bought a video camera. Um, so we bought that and then we used our MacBooks to edit the footage. Um, we had a student who was editing I think he used iMovie, if I'm not mistaken. I gave them a lot of freedom. I gave up a lot of control and just kind of let them do it how they wanted to do it. So we had the video camera. We used our MacBooks. Um, the kids used their Chromebooks to practice their parts individually. So I had uploaded, I had made a website and then the kids could find their music and their scripts and they could take their Chromebooks and they could go practice in another room for certain scenes. What I'm really interested in and I wanted to bring into the podcast was mm -hmm. I feel like this is something that a smaller school that doesn't already have a drama production, this might be a way in. So like what advantages did this seem to have maybe over a live production? Oh, yeah. Um, well, a couple of things. So when you do a live production, there are only so many parts people can play because of all of the moving parts. So, you know, if you have someone who's in two scenes, you have to be, depending on, you know, costume changes or what those scenes are like, you have to be careful with the timing. 
And so with a movie type of production, even if you have a smaller cast, um, it can be really helpful because there is no, you don't have to worry about timing because you're doing all of the timing within um, the editing. So, you know, if you need someone to have three parts or two parts and they're going to be, it's best to have them right next to each other in a production, you can do that. And then, you know, you don't have to worry about rushing backstage to get to the next scene. Um, so that's definitely one way that there, there's an advantage to that. Yeah. Cause I just think that like, if you have a school that, you know, a, a live production or isn't possible for one reason or the other, I just think that this mm-hmm. is something. And then it adds that steam component to it as well. Yeah. But I loved <laughs> how it was like a movie premiere and you could really play that up in a, in that type of setting where it's like we have a movie production that we're doing and here are the stars of it and I just think there's a lot of you know it happened because of COVID but it could be an alternative we actually did gain some good stuff from COVID oh yeah how to do some stuff like this yeah the technology piece I think you know some people hate it but I do think that it had a lot of benefit and even if you hated it it was mostly because it takes practice it was maybe not ideal to try to learn all of that on the run but it works out in the long term I think and the student that you had do all the editing figured out all the editing themselves Mm -hmm. correct I let him run with it of course when we watched it back he did a wonderful job there were things that as an adult I might have done differently but I think that was part of the magic of it is that even if there were things that I might've done differently, it was all his, right? In the end, it was everything that he did and he could feel really proud of and we could feel really proud of the fact that he was able to put all of that together. Um, Yeah, it was definitely a student production, which it was brilliant to do that. And I think it was good because that was something that I think COVID era school taught us a lot of like, okay, I don't have to be so over a lot of things where you don't have to be so uh, rigid and I don't have to be so in control. And you know what, if the kids are videoing and editing and they're taking charge of it, there's value. There's definitely value in that as well. You do have some, just like, you know, anything you're going to have some, you're going to have some downsides. Like there were a couple of instances where, oh, all of a sudden we didn't have footage that I thought we had because- somewhere along the way something happened right but that's a good again that's a good lesson you're learning you know the kids are learning um I'm learning but it's also like okay so what do we do when there's a problem like that right how can we problem solve you know how we don't have to dwell on we don't have to dwell on the mistakes but how do we problem solve to get it correct this time or how do we fix what what, what went wrong right or or we would have footage with no sound or you know so there is a lot of different problem solving which is you know valuable it's valuable in itself it took a personality shift for me so it either takes you really like sitting back with it or you know maybe a different type of person I had to really work on my I had to work on letting go a little bit about you know my ideas of perfection but in the end it was a wonderful product and the kids were so proud of it and so I don't say that in a negative I think that it was I think it was awesome so I think if I asked them I think they would say no I would do a movie again I don't think that they would hesitate which is is I it's just cool to me that it came out of a necessity but it yeah it's a viable yeah. option now. Yeah. And I, I agree because I think they wanted to do a movie the next year. And I said, 
now we're going back to we're going back to a live performance now that we can. Um, yeah, because there's benefits in both, but I, I think that, you know, I think that everybody had a good time and I know that we had a lot of positive feedback from it. Um, and so we, we have those, we have that video in perpetuity for forever. So they can is always it on, go back. It must and, be on the school YouTube page or it something. It is on the school. Yes. They can find it on the school YouTube. Um, it's still up there. I watched it. I watched it with my parents probably right after the, uh, like about a year later to kind of just re to re-see it and it holds up. It's cute. Um, it's very cute. It did cute. come out so stinking cute. I will yeah. say that. Like it was, it was so cute. <laughs> yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. Even down to, even down to the little things, um, you know, like occasionally you hear my voice piping in with one, two, three, go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's just, it's funny, right? It's funny. It's cute. It's, uh, it's, it's perfect for the age group. Welcome back to the MLTI podcast, Teaching with Tech. If you were interested in seeing Mahaley's video production, we have put a link into our show notes. And Donna and Mahaley are completely correct. It's incredibly cute and obvious just how much fun those kids had making that show. Our final interview is done by a new voice joining the podcast. The MLTI ambassadors are part of the Maine Department of Education's Learning Through Technology, or LTT team. And this week, we have a special guest from that team. We are very excited to have John Graham join us today, who is our digital learning specialist. John, welcome to the podcast, and can you introduce us to the interview you were able to do? Hi, everybody. Um, so I've been with the Department of Education since 2019. And prior to this, I had worked in elementary schools. And while I was out working, working in that realm, I had an opportunity to go to Auburn's Leveraging Learning uh, iPad conference a number of times. And back in 2015, I first connected with Matthew Penado, who is was then an elementary teacher and is now at Edward Little High School in Auburn. So we were able to sit down and have a really good conversation about how he as an art teacher has integrated technology in really a wide variety of ways over the years. Hi, my name is uh, Matthew Peinado. I'm originally from New Mexico, Santa Fe, and my wife kidnapped me and brought me to this very cold green place. Having never used a snowblower or knew they existed, it was quite a shock. Uh, my first job was to find a job, and I ended up working in an elementary school in a very rural part of, New of, of Maine and really enjoyed it. And uh, the, the principal took um, a chance on me because I was originally planning on being a professional artist. My career as a teacher has been about supporting every single student has been about making art accessible to every single student and uh, really focusing on what creativity is itself. Something that really jumped out to me in this interview and something you had brought up was the idea of like changing expectations for the students around digital art. Can you talk a little bit about why that stood out? To you? Yeah, so I think a lot of times when teachers are shifting work that they're doing, you know, from a analog method to a digital method, they often will kind of look at the products a little bit differently. So 
he had spoke to how he had early on, if students were submitting digital art, he was, you know, looking at it a, a little bit differently, maybe not with the same critical eye that he might be if somebody was submitting a painting or a sculpture that they'd created. So he said he really had to like sit sit down and have this inner, inner dialogue and reassess how he was looking at digital art that he was creating. It really, I think, transformed things. And at the high school level, that's changing so rapidly. So I think he was really excited to, you know, accommodate for the changes that he's seeing in his classroom. The kids kind of taught me how to be flexible again and how to um, really, at the very core, be creative. And this was at the time technology started to happen in the schools. And so right away, I started to figure out how can I use laptops in, in the, the classroom? And I got into digital storytelling because you could do sculpture, you could do painting, you could do drawing and really, really love that. And so I kind of brought that passion to my next job, which was working here in Auburn because I'm now at the high school. But when I think it was after my first year, something clicked in me and said, no, uh, probably because my daughter was around that same age. They're just kids with bigger bodies. And so I went back to my roots of uh, talking more about creativity and about play and about giving them a structure and a process that uh, accounts for more success. I found myself checking myself where if a student is doing digital, I was placing it at a lower placement than actually physically doing it. And I had to do some some self-evaluation and self-reflection saying, okay, that is just as valid as the actual stuff. So I would always push kids, oh, that is a nice little drawing you did on your little computer there. Thank you. Let's do the real thing. And I had a student that uh, re uh, took my classes and did them, but he would always go back to his, his, um, his iPad and do his drawings and his paintings on that. And so I had to really check myself and say, okay, that is as valid. Um, and so I am now slowly, because <laughs> it is hard to, to, to uh, teach an old dog new tricks, slowly accepting the um, that type of art as just as valid. So I, I really liked, in terms of his philosophy as an art teacher. He really emphasized student creativity and helping students shift from consumers to creators. So he had so many examples of how he's done that from back when he first started working at the elementary level, when um, Auburn was integrating iPads and all the fun ways that he was able to integrate those up through the high school where he really like redefined how he was thinking a lot of, you know, in a lot of ways. But I think keeping creativity at the center of his teaching was something that I really liked hearing and that he's been doing that consistently throughout his teaching career. And iPads opened up a whole new world because those things are portable. And at the very beginning of iPads, people kind of treated them like very precious things. They're not going to the art room. No way. You're going to spill a pit. And so I was able to get teachers uh, to allow kids to bring it in, which um, the digital world of of, of drawing and of, of hitting the backspace and, and all that good stuff that the kids started to really enjoy. And um, I started to advocate to the tech people, um, can we throw some more art apps in there? And they said, sure. So I was able to do a lot more with kids, um, specifically around digital art. 
you were you were sparking their creativity. Um, I gave them a lot of control, and uh, it was authentic. And so it was a really wonderful bag of of, of tricks because uh, the iPad comes with a camera, it comes with a recording device, it comes with software, and so it was like a, a very miniature um, uh, classroom in itself. So the technology, what the technology has done for me is allowed kids to become digital creators instead of digital consumers. So when they would make their their drawings or they would make their uh, animations or their little videos, uh, to put them up on YouTube made the kid feel like they're an actual star. And that was really cool. So along with creativity, I really uh, want to think about authenticity. If I am bored with the stuff I teach kids, the kids are going to be bored. So I always had to have this frame of mind. I'm going to do something that I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone. Uh, so the kids kind of know that I'm learning along with them. The other elements of technology that I have found that support kids um, uh, that I'm using a lot of is a, a Padlet. We, we typically like to have critiques where everybody puts up their work and everybody talks about it. Uh, Padlet has been a great uh, uh, resource for me as a teacher, where instead of doing it physically, we do it online. So that gives kids a lot of, of freedom when they do say the words, uh, either on their work or somebody else's work. And they feel a little bit safer when they do that. It's sort of like a, a filter for them. Many kids with technology have been entertained by it so much, they don't know how to entertain themselves. Uh, so being a dig digital creator is a little bit hard for them because they expect that the, the, the little toy that they have to be entertaining them. So using the Padlet is tapping into what they already do. They're already making comments on other people's posts or their pictures. Oh, you look so cute. But now they're doing it through the lens of art. Uh, Edpuzzle is a great tool that I use that helps kids, especially if they're absent or it is something I really want them to get, but I don't want to use their class time. If I put my stuff on YouTube, you know, kids maybe go look at it, but the Ed Puzzle, because it, it, it marks if they've gone through it, a little bit of accountability. Well, it says, look, you didn't, you didn't uh, watch this video here. Then you could put in some, embed some questions in it that the kids can answer either um, uh, multiple choice or open, open uh, response. So you can kind of gauge whether it is actually, um, uh, the content is going, is they're understanding the content so then I feel a lot easier giving kids a grade for that. So Matthew had reached out to me a couple of years ago because he had kind of re-envisioned one of his classes and was integrating virtual reality spaces. So students basically creating um, a gallery that he was able to open up for, for families and the community. So open up really broadly. I teach an art class that is trying to be a history class. It's my art one class. And the reason I say it's trying to be a history class is I, I want it to be a studio class, but it's not just about make, 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 make. I wanted kids to have a relationship or an understanding with art history and how art has changed through the times and how it has evolved through uh, the different aspects of culture the different aspects of, you know, wars and all the things around the artist that affects them. So they were doing all this wonderful stuff and like, I, I, I got to put this somewhere. 
And uh, my first thought right away was physically. We'll have an art show somewhere. And then I realized the ramification of that is that is a lot of work. That is uh, like back in the day when you would have to handwrite the notes or you had to handwrite your, your report and then it went to typing. And then if you messed up one page, you had to like redo the whole thing. So I thought, well, what if I do it digitally? I, I ran across Frame VR. And once I figured it out, I realized that the, the kids could create their own museums in a virtual environment and not only have themselves walk around and just virtually like you would a real museum, but we could invite other people. They could, they could invite their parents, their grandparents or whoever else. Uh, so it's been a tradition of mine that once the, the, the museum is created to share it to all the faculty so they can go kind of walk around and see what, 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 are, what are happening. You know, connect, I feel like we connect like every year and he'll share, you know, updated link of check out my VR gallery that I set up for my most recent class. And it's just, it's such a neat thing to see. I will make sure that we have a link. So if you look in the show notes, people can check out one of Matthew's virtual, virtual galleries for students. But it's definitely a really interesting way to be taking something like art and putting it into this space um, that's virtual. And I think it's also a great time to note that when we add in the contact information in our show notes, which is doe-ltt at main.gov, when you're reaching out to the team, you're not just reaching out to the MLTI ambassador team, you're reaching out to the entire learning through technology team. And I know John would love to connect with you on some of these digital projects, especially talking about that, that VR integration, something that we had tried to do last year in China Middle and now made me feel like I need to reach out to Matthew as well to see, because I'm sure it's it's such a powerful project for those kids. And uh, so I did just want to say thank you again, John, for taking the time with us today. And we look forward to having you on more episodes of the podcast in the future. Thanks for having me and happy to come back anytime. Thank you again to everyone who joined me in today's episode. Donna Netzer, John Graham, Tessa MacArthur, Mahaley Lozano, Matthew Peinado, and of course, our guru behind the scenes, Tracy Williamson. If you're hearing well-edited interviews or noticing the natural music transitions, many times that's Tracy. She has been instrumental in making this podcast be the very best it can, and I am so personally thankful for both her hard work and willingness to teach others. Whether you know a great educator doing something awesome in the arts, or just want to contact the team and speak with amazing people like Donna, John, or Tracy, please contact the MLTI and LTT teams at the Maine Department of Education by emailing us at doe-ltt at maine.gov. All of this talk of the arts has me wanting to see a play, so I was thinking about finishing the episode with a pun about theater, but I couldn't figure out a good one. They all seem so staged. Class dismissed.